Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Jesus said this, look with me if you would please, in Matthew 24, verse number 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But as that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the son of man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and and given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the son of man be. Then shall two be in the field. One shall be taken, the other left. Two men shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what the hour your Lord doth come. History is coming to a, a climax. We know this, that there's Jesus Christ is coming. Jesus himself here in this passage of scripture said that he is coming again. He declared several things in this passage of scripture. One is this, no one knows when it is going to happen. The angels don't know, only, only the father, he says here in this passage of scripture, only the father knows. But he does give us he does give us an understanding of what the world is going to be like when Christ returns. He says, as in the days of Noah. Now, there's often times where we can find out uh, or hear something taught and Jude tells stories in the book of Jude. And some of them, we really don't have any other way to find out what he's speaking of. There's no other reference to that in the Bible. But Jesus is referencing a story of Noah. He's referencing a, an age, a day that Noah lived in. And he says this, the son of man is going to come as in the days of Noah. And what he means by that is this, when we see the similarities between Noah's day and our day, we can expect the son of man to come. Now we're not to set dates. We're not to set hours. There was a fellow, I think that wrote a book and why 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1988. Anybody ever read that book? Did you get the, like the sequel? 89 reasons why Jesus is coming 89. And I think he wrote one more and then they took him off the air because, you know, it was 94 reasons why he's coming in 94. And um, when you start hearing and seeing and people saying Jesus is coming after the second blood moon on this day in September of next year, I would say this to you, you can be sure they're wrong. You say, well, how do you know that? Because Jesus says, no man know the day. If someone with confidence says it's going to be this day, this month, this year, then just understand their faults. Many people have proclaimed that they knew when Jesus was coming, but Jesus himself said, no man knoweth the day or the hour. But what he does give us is a look into the time, what's going to be happening. And so go with me, if you would please, back to the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. Because what we do know is this, as in the days of Noah. 
So if we were to do a study in the book uh, or the, the books of the Bible, uh, the chapters in the book of the Bible, Genesis, we would start to find that throughout the life and the story of Noah, the time in the earth, the Bible does share with us quite a bit of what it was like in the days of Noah. So we understand what society is going to be like. And as we understand what society is, is, is like, number one, it should cause us great rejoicing to know that Jesus is coming again, not great fear thinking the world is going to fall apart and we're going to fall apart with it. Jesus does not give us a look of when he's returning for the Christian to be hopeless he gives us an understanding of what the world's going to be like and shares with us what it's going to be like so that we have hope knowing that Jesus is coming. But also we see the condition of this world in order to motivate us to tell the world that Jesus Christ is coming as well. And so I want to look today, what were the days of Noah like? The, great, the days of Noah. Look with me, if you would, please, in Genesis chapter number 6. And... Uh, Verses five and six, if you'd follow along with me there, we're going to be throughout Genesis. So just, just uh, keep your fingers ready to turn in the Bible here today. I want you to read with me as we look at this passage of scripture. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart, look what the Bible says here, was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. The Bible gives us an understanding here. As we look at these verses, and we could study this whole chapter and really find a lot of interesting things in this chapter, but I want you to see something here. Simply this, the imaginations of man was evil continually. Or they, had, they were days of secular philosophy, humanistic philosophy. And it pretty much it was this, imagination to fashion as a potter, whatever they could think they were going to do. They were trying to mold society by their own philosophies. As we read here in Genesis chapter six, the evilness of mankind, the wickedness of mankind, how their thoughts were wicked continually, we can also understand the similarities in society here today. We're living in a very secular society. We're living in a very humanistic society, pretty much thinking this, you can do what you want to do, be what you want to be, and, and uh, life is lived for you. And if you can think it, if you want to do it, you can do it. If you want to be it, you can be it. Life is very self-centered, secular thinking, and God is not a part of society. Mankind in chapter six of Genesis got to a place where they didn't care what God thought. They didn't care what God wanted. <laughs> they were going to live their life eating and drinking, as Jesus said, being merry in ignorance and not caring. No care for eternity, no care for what was the next life. They simply were going to live this life how they wanted to live it without God in mind. And that's a dangerous way to live. But we see a society today, just like this society back in Genesis chapter 6, where the philosophy of mankind, it was not what God desired. It's not, it's not what God wanted done. One commentator said this about Genesis 6, men fashioned wicked philosophies. They exposed filthy causes. They made fashionable vile sins. 
They endeavored to force society into their mold. Now think about that. They endeavored to force society into their mold. So whatever wicked imaginations they can think up, they wanted society to be about that and force them into their evil, wicked imaginations. Now listen here, church. This is the way of society. This is the way when you take God out and we've seen this even in, in many of you, you were, you were alive when these decisions were made, where God was taken out of the public spaces. Prayer was taken out of public spaces. Ten Commandments were taken out of public spaces. Mankind is doing everything he can to take God and God's word and what God desires out of, of, of public spaces, out of our lives. It's a secular philosophy. It's an anti-God philosophy. It's what man is going to do. The problem is this, when we start to see this in the lives of Christians, when Christians start to live their lives with a very humanistic, secular philosophy, when Christians start to live their lives in God's will and God's way and God's word doesn't matter. If God says it, church, we obey it. If God desires for us to live a certain way, then we are the light of the earth. We are, we are the ambassadors for Christ. The church ought to be so different than the world. There ought to be a noticeable difference. If you walk into a dark room and you turn a light, there's a difference. I mean, a complete difference. And that's the way when a Christian is in society and behaving under biblical authority, he is a light to society. He is light to a dark world. But in the days of Noah, there was great secular philosophy where man's imaginations were evil continually. Number two, I want you to write this down if you would please. Not only was there great secularism or humanistic thinking, there is also, I want you to see in verse number four of this same chapter, there were, there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and many bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Sometimes when we think of ancient civilization, we think of caveman style living. Well, if you were to study and understand history, there was great, great scientific progress, even in thousands of years ago. There was great men of renown. They were, they were men of great knowledge, great intellect, you can read in the Bible of great civilizations, great cities that were made. All the way back in the times of Genesis before the flood, there was great cities that had been made. They've dug up, I can't believe some of the archaeology that they found in some of these ancient areas, old areas of the world. In some of this archaeology, like we have things that can't last 100 years, and there are things that they have dug up that has lasted thousands of years. They've great cities. Genesis chapter four, look with me in verse number 22, this uh, just a page or so over Genesis four, 
verse number 22. We is, he, is, he is speaking of instructors of every brass and iron. They, they, were, they were making instruments. They were making brass. They, they, were taking, they were taking metals from the earth extracting metals from the earth back all the way back into Genesis times before the flood, extracting metals from the earth and taking those metals and they're able to, to form those metals into things that they could use for their own life and their own entertainment. That is, that is, that is a scientific progress. As in the days of Noah, there was much progress being made. It wasn't just some man sitting in a cave eating a big Freddie Flintstone, you know, steak. These men are men of renown. And when man comes to a place where they were men of renown, they become driven. They become driven to, to be like God. They become driven where they don't need God. They just use their own intellect. Man that has been driven from, from paradise because of their sin is now trying to make an artificial paradise. That's all the way back in the Old Testament. And I can see the same similarities in the life that we're living in today. Instead of man turning back to God and getting right with God and seeking forgiveness from God, man, instead of that, thinks that man has its own intellect and his own thinking and his own scientific discoveries. And they, instead of turning to the creator, think that they're better than the creator, even challenging the creator, instead of going back to God and finding repentance and, and, and seeking forgiveness of their sins. They try to make an artificial paradise. Man is doing everything he can to make this sin-filled earth a paradise, but he cannot because of sin. We're trying to create every single luxury that we can. Instead of repenting, we're trying to come up with answers. Instead of trusting God, we want to come up with something artificial and be satisfied with it. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that mankind can do to artificially cause this world to be a paradise that is going to fill the satisfaction and the void that only God can fill. I want you to think about this in the days of Noah. Noah, there had to be great technological advances because Noah, he built an ark that was 450 feet long, 150 feet wide, 45 feet high that endured the greatest flood this earth has ever known and didn't break up. It kept him, his family, and all the beasts of the field, all the animals alive from the judgment that God placed upon this earth. Think about it. I can't even put together an end table that you buy at Target <laughs> without the thing being lopsided and eventually falling over. Noah built an ark In this 
world, we've split in Adam. We've placed man in space. They're involved in genetic engineering. They've cloned sheep. And they say they're all, they're close to being able to clone mankind. Intelligent design. I was sitting with one of our church members had breakfast a couple weeks back and we were sitting and talking and I don't even know how this conversation of intelligent design came up, but we were talking about it. And the guy behind us, when we got ready to go, he says, Hey, um, I don't want you to think I'm weird, but I was eavesdropping on your conversation. And I was listening to you guys talk about intelligent design. And he went into this 20 minute I thought to myself, I wish you were not paying attention to our conversation. I got another appointment to get to. But he was telling us about intelligent design and that he was involved in this, in this intelligent design. He says it was interesting to hear what you guys had to say. And just the things that he said was mind-boggling to me. Scientific progress is raging in this generation. God's, uh, Jesus said this, as in the days of Noah, so is going to be the day when I return. Number three, I want you to write this down at some place. Look with me in chapter six again in verse number 11. The Bible says this, the earth also was corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with earth. I want you, with, with, with uh, them with the earth. I want you to write this down. We find this as in the days of Noah. Number three, there, was, there were days of social plagues, violence, corruption. Great violence filled this earth. It's when it got to the place where that's all man could think about. Dangerous. No, no care for mankind. You see, when you take God out of society, you take the understanding that man was made in God's image. Man is not just a beast of the field. Man is not just some animal here upon this earth. Man is not just formed from some, some cells that gather themselves from water and begin to walk and begin to climb. And, 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 and now here we are as man. No, man was made in the image of God. And when we get to the place where we stop seeing human beings as eternal beings, a soul that's going to live forever, but great violence was taking place. Murders were taking place. We see in this society the same thing, war after war after war after war, rumors of war. We see in society today, it's, it's, it's haunting what you see in society today, how others could care less how other human beings feel or are treated. Walking down the street, I saw a video just the other day, a man walking down the street and two ladies were walking this way and he walked in between and as he walked in between them, he just simply punched both of them and just walked away. We see games where people play of walking up to elderly people just trying to knock them out with one punch. 
violence. If you have something, if you're wearing something or you have something that somebody else wants, they'll kill you for it. Violence. My wife and daughters were in a store up at Spring Meadows around Christmas time it was, and there was a lady that was walking out of this store, and, and my wife says she had stuff piled. It was actually falling off of her cart as she's pushing it out the door. And that's what caught their attention. She's going to the door, things falling off, but she's not turning around and picking the things up that fell off her cart. And it kind of caught my wife's attention. And then she realized there was workers from that store that were just following this lady as she's walking out. Whole cartload of things. They realized this, that lady didn't pay for any of that. And my girls were like, let's arrest her, citizens arrest. My wife's like, calm down. <laughs> and the worker said this, happens all the time. I was buying something in a store just recently, and I was standing there paying for it, and the alarms at the door went off, and the, I turned to look, and the Lady at the cash register said, it doesn't matter. We're not allowed to do anything about it. She said, and the frustrating part is this, it's the same people. We know who they are, but there's nothing we can do. And I said, you mean to tell me like people just come into the store and take things? Like without even thinking? Happens all the time. We, we live in a society where we're at the, at, the, at the drop of a hat, people are ready to fight. People have never met each other. You do something, you, 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 you're not paying attention and you cross lanes or you do something and somebody's ready to shoot up the car next to them. Violence. As in the days of Noah, violence has, has, has filled this earth. Look with me in Genesis chapter 4, verse number 23. And Lamech said unto his wives, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding, and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech, seventy and sevenfold. Lamech is now, there's not violence again. Violence and here Lamech is in a fight and he gets into this fight. There's this spirit of revenge, this spirit of violence, this, this social plague of it's corrupt. It's a spirit of corruption that has come upon this place and upon these people that, that they're continually thinking of violence and wickedness and corruption and it's filled the earth. And this is back in Genesis before the flood. And Jesus said this, as in the days of Noah, one of the things that we're going to see when Jesus Christ returns is going to be just violence that has filled this earth. Number four, I want you to write this down if you would please. Genesis 6, look with me in verse number 5. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. In, reference, in, in context of what this verse is speaking of in Genesis chapter 6, it also is speaking of when the sons of God lay with the daughters of men. This is sexual perversion. 
the imaginations of the heart were evil continually. If they could think it, they did it. Jesus linked in in Luke chapter 17, verse number 26 to 30, Jesus links the days of Noah with the days of Lot. And we all know what happened in the days of Lot with Sodom and Gomorrah. Total perversion. We live in a society today that is totally perverted when it comes to sexual things. I don't know if we have children here, and so I'm careful with what I'm saying here on this, but it needs to be taught. It needs to be understood that sexual perversion is sin. Mankind, if they can think it, they do it to the place where even now, if I love children as an adult, I love children, I want to be with children, they're justifying that, saying that's the way I was born. No, it's wicked, it's perverse, it's wrong, it's sinful. And let me go as far to say this, sex outside of the bounds of marriage between a man and a woman is wrong, it is perverted, it is sinful according to the word of God. We live in a society where things are just okay. Leviticus chapter 20, verse number, uh, verse 13, calls it an abomination. Romans, uh, let me, let me go to Romans. I want to read these things for you here. Romans chapter one, verse number 24, the Bible says this, wherefore God also gave them up to an uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to honor their own bodies between themselves. Verse number 26, the same chapter, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections for even the women did change their natural use into that which is against nature. In verse number 28 of the same chapter, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Here in Romans, we find God says, you know what? I'm going to give you over. Go ahead. If you want to be perverse in your thinking and, and take God out of everything, he gives us over. And when he gives us over, there's also going to be judgment that's going to come. There's going to be great sexual sin in the world when Jesus Christ returns. And oh, listen to me, we're living in a day-to-day that is filled of great sexual sin. And as I said previously, we see this in the world. Unfortunately, we're seeing it in the church as well. We're seeing it in the church. Listen to me, parents. There is a spirit of anti-God. There is a spirit of a sexual sin, perversion that is permeating this country, this land, this world today. You need to do everything you can to keep your children grounded in the word of God. Do not let the world teach your children what God has given you to teach your children. It is not up to some teacher to teach your children about sexuality. It's your responsibility to teach your children the word of God. It is not the government's uh, responsibility to teach your children about, about sexual things. It is your responsibility. And most parents are afraid. They're saying, my, my, my kids, now they're in eighth grade and ninth grade. When should I start having that conversation? And I've said this to many of them. Guess what? Somebody already has. But that person that already has back when you're a child, when you think they're innocent and, 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 and doesn't know anything, someone's filling their mind with sexual perversion. 
And we've got a generation now of young men that have grown up addicted to pornography thinking that is love. Bringing that, bringing that filthy perversion into their marriage and wondering why there's no connectivity with their wife. It's because sexual sin causes you to see your partner, your wife, your husband as an object instead of a person that God loves. God did not give you that person just to satisfy every imagination that you have. God has put things in his word that has confi- uh, confines us in what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to behave as husband and wife. The Bible speaks of the bed being undefiled, meaning this, anything that a husband and a wife find in the confines of their own relationship, in the privacy of their own bedroom, is totally fine. But if you get any perversion and you try to bring that perversion into your marriage relationship, it will not edify your marriage relationship. It will not help your marriage relationship. It may bring excitement for only a moment, but it will bring disgrace and shame and guilt It doesn't belong in your marriage. It's getting quiet. Number five, we'll write this down, please. Days of selfish prosperity. Selfish prosperity. Everybody okay? (laughs) Days of selfish prosperity. These are as in the days of Noah. Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 16, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse number 49, the Bible says this, behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Now Jesus refers to Sodom in Luke, compares the the things of Sodom to the times of Noah. Now we're looking at Ezekiel, Ezekiel says this, was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness, was in her her and in her daughters, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy, and they, they were haughty and committed abominations before me, therefore I took them away as I saw good. These were selfish prosperity. What do you say, what do you, you say, what do you mean by that? The Bible says here, in these days of, of we know what happened in some, uh, Sodom, great sexual sin took place, but it wasn't just great sexual sin that took place. The things that even led to that was the fact that they were so full of pride. Life was all about them. We see narcissism just filling this land and filling relationships. Lacking humility. You know, you, know, you know what would truly revive many marriages, revive many churches, revive many broken relationships? Humility when someone would approach and simply say, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Instead of stiffening up their neck, being full of pride, never admitting to anything. That's the same spirit that was in Sodom, and that's the same spirit, Jesus says, as in Sodom. So were they in the days of Noah, there in the chapter, uh, book of Luke, fullness of bread, meaning this. They had everything they wanted. They have everything. Fullness of bread. They wanted for nothing. They wanted for nothing. There was never a need Abundance of idleness, meaning this, they had so much free time on their hand. Listen, it is important for man to work. 
There's numerous reasons why. Number one, it's how you supply for your your family. It's how you supply for your needs. And it also keeps your mind busy. Sometimes when we just sit back and we just start to think because we have so much time on our hands and, and we're just idle in our thoughts, that's when our thoughts begin to run and wickedness gets in and then we start to behave based upon those wicked thoughts. Keep your mind active. Keep your mind busy. I went to visit one of our, one of our senior citizens He passed away just recently. He was very elderly. He was living in a assisted living just because he couldn't care for himself. And I walked in one day and I knocked on his door and I opened the door and he was sitting at his computer playing chess. And I said, hey, what are you up to? And he said, I'm I'm playing chess. I said, what, is that something you enjoy? He says, not really. I said, why are you doing it? He says, I'm trying to keep my mind sharp. I'm trying to stay active. He said this to me, because nothing good happens when I just lay in my bed and think. And so I sit here and I play chess. I said, who are you playing chess with? And then he said himself, I said, oh, at least you're going to (laughs) win. Didn't have internet, so he's just playing against himself. But he's doing that so he's keeping his mind active so that he's not sitting there being idle. Here, the spirit of abundance of idleness. And, and, and the other thing that Ezekiel mentions here, they didn't help the poor and needy or they didn't strengthen. There's a difference between helping and strengthening. Sometimes we walk by somebody that has a need and we help them by just giving them a dollar thinking that's going to help them. Listen to me, welfare and giving people something to keep them in the condition in they're in, they're in does not ultimately help anybody. Amen. The word here is not help. The word here, look with me again in this chapter, it's strengthen. Neither did they, she strengthen the hand of the poor needy. Strengthen them means teaching them how to work, enabling them to supply for themselves. For what reason? So they don't stay poor and needy any longer. We live in a society, I truly believe, that we're trying to, we live in a government today that that has a society that just wants to give, 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 so people can stay idle, so people don't have to work, so that people can just have what they want to have without earning it. Listen to me, I'm all for helping, and we need to help, but if we're enabling people to continue to be what they always were, then we're not strengthening them. Strengthen them giving them the resources, the tools, so they don't have to be what to be. When you got saved, you know what the Lord gave you? The resources and the tools so that you don't have to be the old man you used to be. It's called the Spirit of God that gives us wisdom and gives us comfort. It's called the Word of God that gives us direction. We have everything we need, so we're not the man we used to be. We're not the woman we used to be. We can be who we God wants us to be through the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Yes, Lastly, my time is gone. As in the days of Noah, there was powerful preaching. Genesis chapter 6, verse number 13. 
And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And then before God sends judgment, he sends a warning. Peter, in 2 Peter, you can write this down, 2 Peter 2, 5. You can just put that in your margins and go look it up. He calls uh, Noah, Peter calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. He was a builder of an ark, but he was also a preacher while he was building. He was proclaiming God. He was saying that that judgment's going to come. Days of preaching. Listen to me, there are still, there are still good preaching, good churches, solid Bible-believing preaching solid doctrine churches that are taking place. There's still missionaries being sent. Sometimes we get so discouraged. Sometimes we get to the place where we think we're the only ones. No, you know what? There are many people around this world still staying true to the word of God, still preaching the word of God, still being an ambassador for Christ, still living a righteous life and praise God for them. And I want to challenge our church today as in the days of Noah, there were strong preachers Then in the days when Jesus Christ returned, then he ought to find strong preaching when he returns as well. You say, what do you mean by that? Let's not weaken the message. Let's not weaken doctrine. Let's, let's not compromise to the things of this world. Let's, let's, not, raise, let's not raise children that are, that are good kids, just have a, a taste of the world. No, let's, let's decide this, that we're going to put our families under biblical preaching. We're going to raise our children under biblical doctrine. We're going to raise our children to love the Lord, to serve the Lord, to trumpet the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ, to live righteous lives in this wicked world so that mankind can never see say, I didn't know the truth. You see, the men and women in Noah's day could not say we weren't warned because 120 days or 120 years, Noah, as he was building the ark, he was also preaching the judgment of God. Preaching is needed. Preaching was found in the days of Noah and preaching will be found in the day when Christ returns. And let it be said of us that we are those that are preaching when Christ returns. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. Every one of us here are called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody here. We're all preachers. Every one of us are called to be ambassadors. We're called to tell. Let's take our job serious. Let's realize this, at any time Jesus Christ can come, the condition of the world is set. Let's be found faithful. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org, and we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.